I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 93 of the Food About Town podcast, Adam Wilcox from the Democrat and Chronicle's Cheap Eats column came over to the studio to talk a bit about some unique dishes here in Rochester. We also learned more about Adam. I've been following him for a long time, so I learned more about how he got started. Went through kind of his whole history in writing here in Rochester. I found it very interesting. So this is part one of our interview because this one went a full two hours. So stay tuned next week for part two of this interview. Um, If you do enjoy it, please share it out so people know to catch up on part two. Uh, Please tag me on it, Food About Town on Facebook, at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. I really enjoyed this one. And stay tuned next week for part two of my interview with Adam Wilcox from the Democratic Chronicle. Right, that's the the first thing right off the bat. I don't pronounce the name of the town that I'm in properly. <laughs> Thanks, Rochester. Uh, so Rochester's turned into London for a day. It's the foggiest day I've seen in a while here in Rochester. Yeah, I turned onto the street before your street, and I hit this wall of fog. Yeah. It was crazy. It was great. Yeah. I, it feels like people are going to be stalking me in the fog, and <laughs> it's it's fantastic. But what I do have for you today is a guest who I've been I've been following for years. Why don't you introduce yourself, sir? Uh, I'm Adam Wilcox, and uh, currently my food credential is that I write the Cheap Eats column for the Democrat and Chronicle. That That is correct, isn't it? That is correct. And that's kind of um, one of the things I've, I've followed from you for years is your attention to, uh, I don't know what to call it, maybe some of the lesser known places shit here holes. in Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> I think shitholes is a great describer. I mean, those it's are a my- very contemporary word right it now. It is. I mean, it's, yes. very, it's very of the moment, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what? It's a great describer for the kind of places I think you and I love. Yep. Are the places that, oh, for for lack of a better way of saying it, that people that you know people that are like the foodie hipsters, you know they they don't go. The people right. stick to Park Ave and East Ave and the places you and I enjoy. They're everywhere and they're so diverse. Yeah, I don't I don't go to Park Ave very often, and it's really not a good thing all in all. You know, I, yeah. I, I know there's good stuff on Park Avenue, but it's just not my scene, man. Yeah. <laughs> not only that, I, ha- I hate parking there. Right. I mean, there's a few places I go that I'm, you know, I, I don't know about a regular, but I'll go on Park Ave on purpose. Everywhere else is, you know, kind of up and down for me. Yeah. Park Ave's rough for parking. Downtown's terrible for parking. I got a ticket once when I was parked in one of those 30-minute uh, spots. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was parked there to review a downtown restaurant and I got out in 35 <laughs> and I had the ticket 
and I was just, uh, I was livid. 35 is impressive, by the way, for a meal. Well, yeah, I thought it was great. I was, I liked the place. It was the old Flower City Diner. Where, where was that? Uh, so it was downtown, kind of across from the Cadillac Hotel in that, uh, okay. that building where uh, the Garth Fagan dancers rehearse. Yeah, yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, yeah. see, so you've been, so uh, let's take a step back. So you've been in and around the food scene for how long now? You've been writing and... Uh, so long that I have a hard time remembering when it all began. I think I started doing it about the time my first kid was born. So that's 21 and a half years. Wow. And yeah. I mean, you're, you're one of the people when I started getting into it that I noticed right away... On your um on your old site, what is it? Rochester Food Net, I believe it was called. Rochesterfoodnet.com. It's still out there, uh, attracting, I'm sure, malicious software. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, at first, where where were you writing at first when you started doing this? Right. So uh I've been a professional writer my my entire adult life, but in in sort of different ways. I do technical writing and instructional design. Okay. So and I had written a lot of stuff in college for papers. I'd written about dance, and I'd written about music. And I knew a guy who was doing music reviews at City. Okay. Uh, his name was Andrew McDuffie, and uh, he preceded uh, Frank DeBlaze right. at, at City. And, and Andrew uh, knew that he was leaving, and he suggested to the editor at the time that they talk to me about writing about music. So they called me. And I said, well, you know, I've done that, but I don't want to do that. I don't think I'm hip enough for that. You know, I, <laughs> but you're, you're a big music guy, which we're going to talk about later for we'll, sure. We'll get to that. Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> but, you know, I, I always felt like um, the guys who do that well, and I think Frank does it really, really well, and Andrew did it really well, they, they pound the pavement. You know? Right. And, and it's like you. Like, I think you do what you do really well because you pound the pavement. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. I wasn't ready to pound the pavement, pavement to hear every local band. But I, what I said was, you know, what I really want to write about is film. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So they said, uh, okay, yeah, we wouldn't mind having a second film reviewer. Uh, why don't you go out and review, what was the movie? It was uh, Sean Connery and a very young Catherine Zeta-Jones in like a caper film. Oh, I know exactly. I know the one you're talking it's a about. terrible, terrible movie. Oh, I remember the, the previews for it were abominable. It's an abominable movie, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so I went out and I saw the movie and I wrote a, what I hoped was a funny, bad review. And while I was working on it, they advertised that their food writer, um, and I'm going to blank on her name, but she was there for 20 years. Wow. Um, Oh, by the way, the movie the movie was called Entrapment. Entrapment. I remember the previews where she was slinking around the lasers. Under the lasers, yes, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was the best part. I mean, it was very tasteful. It's Catherine. Yes, very very tasteful tasteful stuff. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, they advertised that that they were looking for a food writer because they're they'd only had one, I think, in the history of the paper, Hmm. and she was leaving. So I called back and I said, "Well, I know." I said I want to write about film, but food would be cool. <laughs> and and the editor said, well, you know, there's like 40 people who've applied for that job, so wow, don't get your hopes up, <laughs> right? And but I thought to myself, okay, I'm what do I do for a living? I'm an editor, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a managing editor of a publishing company. I know what editors are looking for. They're looking for writers with 
good copy who are on time who aren't going to be, a, you know, frankly, a pain in the ass. Right. So I, I went into this interview with two bullet points. That one, you know, I'm going to be the writer you don't have to edit who's on time all the time. <laughs> and one. And two, you know, I really do like driving around, you know, any part of the city, the darker the better, mm-hmm. and, and finding stuff. Absolutely. And I, and I figured that would fit with their sense of their, what do I want to say, mission or yeah. politics. And I was right. You know, I, I pitched it the right way, and they hired me. And, uh, and I got a lot of hate mail for the first few months. Did you really? <laughs> I really did. What kind of hate mail was it right away? The hate mail was, um, you're an idiot and a charlatan, and I should have your job. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't get a lot of that. So when I, when I started, it Well, you're was... not an idiot and a charlatan. <laughs> I, I was, in fact. So you think it was, you think it was valid critiques? <laughs> You know, yes and no. Yes and no. Well, it's, hard, I, it's hard taking over for somebody that's been there for so long. Diana Mushlin. Oh, there, there you go. You got name. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard taking over, and, and I really didn't know what I was doing. I knew I loved food. I mean, people would, I'd meet people, and they'd say, wow, you know, how you got that job. What, what qualified you for that job? And my crack was, well, you know, I've been eating three times a day. <laughs> For thirty some years, yeah, you know now the line is fifty some years, and uh, you know that's that's really the main qualification in my book is is eating and paying attention, yeah, and then uh, you know being really open to what you don't know. I think that's I think it's the most important thing I learned through the whole process was when I don't know something about that cuisine, don't assume that I'm an expert, right? And I like I like to read about it, and if I don't know, and I know somebody locally who does, yeah. I'd bring them along to help me learn more about the food. Yeah, and and I've got I've learned some hard lessons. I've said some dumb stuff in print. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anything pop to mind that you? Yeah, remember? but I'm not telling you because <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Now there's a couple. I, I you know yeah. what I went back and read. <laughs> I went back and read. One one of my friends went to a restaurant not that long ago, and he was talking to the owner, and the guy remembered part of my review almost word for word wow from probably four years ago yeah um and i'm not saying it was the nicest review i've ever written <laughs> uh but the guy remembered it that much i went back and read it and i'm like you know I, I wasn't very i certainly wasn't political about it. i wasn't i wasn't pulling any punches yeah which i think i i softened on as i as i did it longer i i think that happens you know you you learn to be a little more humble, maybe. Yeah. Over time. Well, you know, I, I have strong opinions about things. Yeah. As um, as we've talked more, I'm sure you've noticed. Yeah, I I, I like your style, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with it. I learn things from you. You know, I like people I learn stuff from, and well, they're they're frankly, you know, back then, 20 years ago, everybody I learned something from everybody. Now yeah. it's a little less common. Yeah. I, I know more than I did then. Well, it's it's a good thing, right? I guess you know. Live You'd and hope learn. so. <laughs> you, you'd you'd hope that you learned things over that yeah. time period. Yeah, yeah. So how long were you working? How long were you uh, doing reviews for City? Uh, the better part of a decade. Okay. And and uh, most of that time, I was uh, working with an editor named Chad Oliveri, and we had a great relationship. Which is to say, he didn't edit my copy. Uh, See, it's like <laughs> completely counter to me because I'm you're you're a professional writer. I I am not. That's the part I struggle with the most was sometimes getting the balance right. I got better 
right. over time. But you know, I'm I'm really glad I had an editor. That's it's good for sure. to have an editor, and and I'm I'm really making fun of myself here because <laughs> uh, everyone needs an editor. It doesn't matter how good you are. Now, yeah. I work with Mark Liu at uh, Gannett, and Mark is a, is just a great editor, and he hmm. he fixes me. You know, I and I think I'm pretty good, but you know, Mark always finds a way to make my articles better. Yeah, Chad I think... was very hands off, mm. uh, which at the time I was good with. But you know, I look back, I read some of those articles every now and then, and I'm like, "You, you really let me use very in three straight paragraphs? I mean, yeah, really? yeah." And I, <laughs> I know that's one of the lessons I learned too. Is when I went back and read it, yep, it. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, you really did make it flow better by changing this and that. Yeah. Keeping the heart of it, of course. Right. But, I mean, as an editor, I'm sure you're right. well aware of that. Yeah, yeah. And and now, when uh, after I left City, I, did it, I started doing intermittent columns for Rochester Magazine. That's how I met Mark. And then I got a little too busy, you know, and I, and I, I was working on my own. I had my own business, and that's when I tried RochesterFoodNet.com. Uh, I put up all my old articles. We did videos. Do you remember uh, when that when that was when it started? Yeah, we started that in uh, two thousand eight. Okay, so I I picked up on that pretty quick then at the time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, my partner in that was Jim Barbero. Jim is a local artist and graphic designer, and okay. he produced all those videos. You know. This is before before video was popular, right? On a lot of this stuff, I, I've had bad timing many times <laughs> in my life. Because I mean, you guys were doing like real, like going to the places, yeah, uh, videoing you guys talking over the food, yep. Um, and it was actually it was pretty well produced stuff, short stuff, but that's kind of what Jim the style has. Is. Jim has flair, you know. He's 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 actually an artist, so you know when he put those together, he put them together with an artist's eye and and sense of things. And uh, they were beautiful. You know, I felt bad for him because he was doing it basically for nothing and putting a lot of effort into it. All I had to do was show up and talk, you know. (laughs) It's my favorite part about doing anything (laughs) is showing up and talking. Show up and talk. Right, right. So uh, eventually uh, I was a little too busy to do a lot of articles for Rochester Magazine. um, And then I kind of stopped altogether. And then uh, I think um, uh, Karen Miltner who did who started the cheap eats column uh decided you know it was too hard to drive up here from where she lived and keep doing the beat so she was going to back away from it and she suggested they have me do it and mark suggested they have me do it and and i i thought well can i make this fit in a, a little slice of my life mm-hmm. and we've been able to make it so frequency, every other week. That's not bad. No, um, every other week is sort of doable. I yeah. was hell even once a month was kind of tough when I was doing it. It's tough, uh, you know. If you have a life and you have a job and you have kids and three or four or five bands, <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that. <laughs> so we're going to talk more about music, but I yeah. noticed that every time I see a Facebook post for your bands, like, wait, is that a different name again? Yeah. How is that possible? Well, it's the same people. There's like <laughs> there's like 14 people and we permutate, you know, seven or eight ways. Yeah, infinite permutations. That should yes. be your next band name. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um so yeah, the cheap eats and that's you know, like I, I was following you through the Rochester Food Net, um, which is I I think I started my website, you know, towards the end of when you were working on mm-hmm. that. 
And shortly after that, when I started up in City, that was after, uh, I think that was after James Leach was there. Oh, you followed James. Yeah. Yeah, James followed me. Yeah, so it was like, it was me and Laura Kenyon and uh, Katie Wibby. It was kind of the three-headed food monster over there at the city. I never read James, and it wasn't about James. It was, uh, you know, the way I used to describe it was it was like, you know, hanging out with your ex's boyfriend. (laughs) You know, I I didn't want to do that. Yeah. But then uh, I did did read your columns once you started doing it. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah and I, I you know it's weird and, when and you Dana also wrote. Food yeah, columns. she did that. She did it for a long time. And I uh, like Dana's stuff. We crossed over a little bit, um, and I, I remember I remember reading your stuff and having the thought in my head that we had a lot of the same sensibilities yeah. with places we enjoyed, no doubt. Um, and now that we've you know started to communicate uh, here and there and going out to different meals, by the way, um, we we had a we had a noodle gathering with some local people not that long ago we did we went to ming's over on uh over on south quentin yep and this uh, this is the ming's right near uh shiki right in uh yeah this is the ming's right in swilberg <laughs> and one i was blown away by the food that yeah, it was day. good wasn't I it i thought it was fantastic yeah i went in again and i'm not sure you know they actually have a home style menu that they're going to put oh, out i know but yeah. it's not translated, right? I'm gonna I'm going to use Google Translate and actually see what it's all on there, <laughs> so you and I we can have the home style menu. Well, my thing at Ming's is uh, I don't order usually, right? Because that's right in your neighborhood, right? Right. I go there and I ask. Sometimes I'll give Ming parameters. Sometimes I'll say I feel like a soup. Sometimes I'll say anything except you know um, conch. I don't really like. Conch. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a, so I'll give him some parameter. I'll give him no parameters. And he tries to make me something he doesn't think he's ever made me before. Yeah. And, you know, I've done the math. I've been to Ming's using these rules upwards of eight or 900 times. <laughs> <laughs> a man of many routine. Yeah. And, and he keeps pulling stuff out of his posterior you know <laughs> i mean not literally that would be weird no that would be bad but you know um he he's a he's an incredibly creative cook and you know the thing about ming's is it's fast food it is in a lot of ways you know it's just fast food but oh my god <clears throat> can he do lots of different things and they have, they have the good wok burners there they do have the jet engines there yeah well it's yeah. important for that for that kind of creative yeah. stir frying and yeah i just uh upgraded my cooktop I, I had a really terrible one for years, and I got a, a good one. It's simple, but it's good. Uh, just two months ago, and it's just revolutionized my own cooking. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you got to have power and variability of heat. Yeah, you got the bigger BTUs now? I got the bigger BTUs, and the and the dials work. <laughs> oh, that, that's, a, that's a plus, I think. Yeah. When, when I go and yeah. buy a new stove, I'm like, hey, salesperson, do the dials work on this stove? I really hope they do. That's something I'm I'm looking for in a new stove. <laughs> so I'm I'm like the world's worst homeowner, and I'm absolutely certain in my next life I'm not I'm not going to be a homeowner. You know, you know what? I, just I, not doing it. I'm not that far away from you, man. I <laughs> I like the concept of owning a home. In theory, it's great. Yeah. But all the stuff that comes with owning a house. Yeah, actually owning a home. I'm not so sure about. Yeah, I'm not really into it. So there's all kinds of things in my house that are falling apart and busted. Oh. <laughs> Uh, one of them was the the 
the cooktop. And the way the story of the cooktop is pretty funny. I when I first moved into the house, the people who lived there before us were uh, not cooks. So okay. they they had recently remodeled the kitchen to look cool on the surface mm-hmm. and to be easy to clean. Gotcha. Right, but it was not a cook's kitchen. And one of the things they did is they had one of those uh, sealed electric burners. You know what I'm talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, no, I know they're exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They're flat. Mm-hmm. And uh, those 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 are a travesty. They are. You know, they're just wrong. They heat up really slowly, and it's... they heat up really slowly, and they heat they cool off really slowly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't change temperature anyway. So I immediately said, okay, the one thing I'm changing in here is I'm getting a cooktop. So I like a deal, right? Oh, hey, who doesn't? You know, so. I go, where do you go? I go to eBay, right? Yeah. And I find on eBay this KitchenAid cooktop that, you know, looks great. Mm-hmm. And and they've got the model number and a picture of the model. And I do some research on it, and everybody says it's good. And it's got it's got the continuous grates, which was really important to me. So I got this thing, and it was like a $700 thing new. I got it for like 200 bucks. That sounds like a deal. Such a deal, uh-huh. right? And it was new. It was new in box. It was just uh, old stock, new mm-hmm. old stock. So the box comes to my house, and I call my guy. Oh, you, you got to have a guy. I've got a guy. I don't open the box. Mm. I just call my guy, and I say, it's here. Come put it in. He comes <laughs> over. I go to work. Well, upstairs is work, yeah. right? He leaves. I come downstairs, and there's a different cooktop than I saw in the picture, installed in my kitchen. Awesome. And it it was the same model number, but it was a different year. Ooh. Right? Yeah. And it had the round grates. Mm-hmm. They weren't continuous. Sweet. Yeah. So I was bummed, but it was installed. Yeah. You know, and I got a hold of the guy who sold it to me. I'm like, look, man, you know, this wasn't what the picture was. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Do you want to take it out and send it back? And I'm like... No. No. Right? So I kept the thing, and it wasn't horrible for a while. And then I did a, I did an article, I think, for, it must have been City, about personal chefs. Okay. So, and I talked to four of them, and then one of them came to my house and cooked for us. And she cleaned that thing to the point that it never worked right again. <laughs> After she, <laughs> so the dirt was holding it together. I guess. I, I'm not really sure what she did, but I, I think she got like water and cleaner in all the the gas uh, holes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, we never could make any of the burners work right again. They just got worse over the years. Mm. So by the time I got the new one in December, uh, we had one and a quarter working burners. Over four burners. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the one that worked was the littlest one. Of course. Of course. Yeah, not the power burner. You know, so when you wanted to, like, boil a big pot of water for pasta, this was like, you know, you had to plan the day ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Start the water boiling the night before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> but now it's all good. It's all good. And I've been making things that require heat. I've been really obsessed with uh, Adelangi, you know, Yotam Adelangi. His, oh no! His cookbooks. Okay, what what uh, what are the uh, styles of? So Yotam Adelengi is this British uh, Israeli guy uh, who runs a restaurant called Adelengi, I think, in London. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I believe that's correct. Yeah, I, you think that's right? I've he- I've heard the name before. So right. Yeah. And he's done three 
cookbooks. But the one that really like blew the world up is called Jerusalem. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I've, I've everybody was raving about that. I think it was two years ago when it was yep. huge. It's uh, it's the best cookbook I've ever seen. It's my favorite cookbook currently. Uh, it's him and and a Palestinian guy named Sammy. If only we had a device. Right, these, these we, magical devices. <laughs> See, I'm I'm not only the host of the podcast, I'm the researcher, so he's, I, I yeah, do he's it. He's the live. research assistant. Yeah. <laughs> so Sammy and, and Yotam work together to write this book about the food of Jerusalem. So the book's called Jerusalem. Yeah, Yotam Otolengi and uh Sammy Tamini. Tamimi. Sammy, Sammy Tamimi, yep. right. And uh the the cookbook works marvelously on a food level it's ridiculously beautiful for one thing the photography is outrageous so far i'm finding the the recipes not like one 101 percent bulletproof but 98 mm-hmm. percent bulletproof which yeah. is pretty darn good for yeah because mo- a lot of the cookbooks really don't translate to home cookery as well as you think they should they don't and they often don't feel to me like they've been tested very well yeah you know uh, but this book feels tested to me. It, it the the recipes work. They're spectacular and interesting. Um, and and then there's this other thing about the cookbook that it's this Israeli guy and this Palestinian guy. Uh, so there's there's a message. Yeah. And they don't beat you with it, you know, the message. But it's on every page. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that's one of the things I've always loved about. Food and in particular ethnic food is you know we we meet people across our food and everything's better. I think so. You know, I've met a lot of different and interesting people through uh, writing about them and talking Absolutely. to them. Uh, people I probably never would have met before. You know, right. I I remember writing about a uh, Turkish place. Yeah, up on Ridge Road. Oh yeah. And, I know that place uh, over in the Bingo Plaza. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, a. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it's uh, As Ev or right. whatever you want to. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I remember writing about it, and I went in after, and it was it was one of those gratifying things. I'm sure it's happened to you too when you write about somebody and they get new business. Oh my god! When they get a they You're get this new influx. Their favorite person forever. It's really something. Yeah. And yeah. I, I never, I never wanted anything from it. I just wanted to highlight a cool place, right? And I'm sure that came across for you too. Oh my god, I, you know, I, it's embarrassing, you know. It's embarrassing, but you know, it, but it's it's I've, gratifying. I've, it is gratifying, and I've also learned over the years to accept it with gratitude rather than have an argument that, <laughs> that's going to be, you know, taken as an insult. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not going to insult people. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you can't. <laughs> It's 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 not a nice thing to do. So yeah, that Turkish place. There was also uh, the Ukrainian place up there, Olga's. Oh, you know, I never went there. Oh my God! Well, Olga was a character. Oh, I'm sure she was like a Bond villainess. <laughs> That's awesome. She was. She'd like wear this leopard skin hat, you know, and oh, like these completely five inch heels. And wow, yeah, you know, uh, she was she was amazing, and the place was really good too. That sounds fantastic. But mostly it was about you know. Olga. She yeah, it was her show. Just oh yeah, the Olga show. <laughs> so, anyways, Jerusalem the cookbook. You're saying yeah. So I've been obsessed with Jerusalem the cookbook. We, uh, I have these two couples that my wife and I get together with, and we have potlucks. We always have them themed. And right when I got the cookbook, we did a Jerusalem themed night, 
And so we had seven dishes from the cookbook. And at the end of the night, we all agreed that was the best meal we'd ever had. Wow. Like anywhere. Like anywhere. That's, Im- that's impressive. It, it was amazing. We were all like, I think this is the best meal I've ever had. <laughs> and, you know, I've had a lot of good meals. Uh, I say this about every six months I have a meal where I say <laughs> this is the best meal I've ever had. Well, no, I think it, that's a great thing, though. <laughs> that means you're that means you're keeping your still keeping your mind open. You're still going out and experiencing new stuff. There's a way of looking at it. I think so. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's you're, good. You're damn welcome. It's not just that I'm hyperbolic. <laughs> well, that might be part of it. <laughs> that might be part of it, but I think it's also if you get stuck on one thing forever, right? You you do get locked down. You don't go out and try the new thing and experience it with open eyes. Well, I'm a little stuck on Jerusalem, so that's good. We 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 had another potluck with the Jerusalem cookbook, and then I I have a party every year, a New Year's Eve Eve party. Okay, that is also a themed potluck, but with a lot of people. And this year we did that with the Jerusalem cookbook, mm-hmm. and I think we had upwards of thirty dishes. Wow, it was stupid. That's expansive. It was expansive. That is a good word yeah. for it. There was lamb, and there was eggplant, and there were weird baked goods, and there was root slaw with lebne. And mm, that sounds awesome. That's really good. I've made that one twice. Mm, crunchy, creamy, tangy, delightfulness. Yeah, that one's really interesting because you um, you match stick all these different root vegetables like kohlrabi and beets. It was the first thing I thought of was kohlrabi. Kohl, there, there's kohlrabi in everything. In is the really? Jerusalem Cooper. That's Not great. really, but there's like seven or eight things with kohlrabi. I like kohlrabi. I like kohlrabi too. It's I, I mean, I'm a root veg sucker. Yeah. I'm a root veg sucker. So there's kohlrabi, there's celeriac, there's... Um, turnips and rutabagas maybe. Turnips. Uh, yeah, there were turnips. Anyway, and you matchstick all these and then you soak them in mm. really cold water. You don't cook them. Interesting. Right. And uh, so you got to cut them small enough. Right. Because if you don't, it's not going to work right. Mm. You know, and then it's uh, it's got this really sort of light, um, warm vinaigrette that you make, and then you toss it with that and you put it in the fridge. And then when you serve it, you put in a boatload of cilantro, uh, parsley, and mint. Wow. Just a boatload. That's that's an intense herbal oh punch. Oh my god! You know, just this aromatic killer thing going on. <laughs> uh, you know, so that was that was really something that night. Um, so I'm still a little hooked on Adelangi, and I got his other two books. One is Plenty, and one is Sweet. Okay. Plenty is all vegetable stuff. Yeah, I think that's the newest one, right? Is it? I, I think so. No, I think Sweet may be the new. One. I don't know. <laughs> if only we had a device. Right, it's a it's a miracle we, device. We yeah. Look it up, you know. Um, well, I might I might let you take a look. I got I've got a book up there that I really enjoy. Yes. Um, that I'd like you to maybe if you haven't read any of it. I'm, what I'm is not, it? Uh, the Food Lab. The Food Lab. Yeah, that's through. Um, okay. The basically the biggest recipe creator from Serious Eats, uh, Kenji Lopez. Okay. Kenji Lopez Alt, and it's um it's like all, a lot of scientific based recipes. Mm-hmm. Not that they're modern cuisine, but they're very right. like optimized. Yeah, and a lot of it's stuff from his column online, but a lot of them are more developed recipes. Oh, and I've had a lot of great success with stuff in there. Cool. So I'd love for you to take a look at it and see yeah. what you think. I'll take a look at that. Another book I really like a lot is uh, Harold McGee's Science and 
lore of the kitchen. He's a super nerd, but oh, what a great science nerd he is. He, he's amazing, isn't he? I mean, uh, you really learn stuff. He's super detailed. He's and really you, detailed. You know he did the work. Yeah, I'm not doing what he does with turkey. <laughs> you know the whole thing. He no, does what, with what did turkey. he do? So, uh, you know, the problem with turkey. The there's lots with, of problems. There's lots of problems, but the essential problem with turkey is the different density of the light and the dark meat. Correct. Right. So they 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 really shouldn't be cooked together on the same animal. Mm-mm. You should take the animal apart. Absolutely. But we don't take the animal apart. So Harold's approach to this was he straps ice packs on the breasts <laughs> overnight to <laughs> get like them it already. much colder yep. than the dark meat. And then he cooks the bird as fast as he can at super high heat. Okay. Uh, which allows him to get both the types of meat done at the same time, uh, but it doesn't get the skin right. So how does he do the skin? Yeah, come on. Is he is he broiling the whole thing? Blowtorch. Oh, he's blowtorching. Of course he is. Blowtorch is the skin. That's awesome. End. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> That's great. So I, a little story. I'm, I'm not I'm not a great home cook, but I mess around. I did a whole I did a deconstructed turkey for Christmas. Not this last year, but the year before. Um, I had I bought a local bird from McCann's. Yeah, he deconstructed it for me, so he took the breasts what's, off. What's the word for um, when you when you splay them out? Oh, the spatchcock. Spatchcock. It's a great, great word. word. It is. Yeah. Now that's that's like the recommended um, method, like from from really? Kenji and for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, I've spatchcocked um, chickens. It does work really well. Yeah, it balances everything out, makes yeah. it a little better to cook. Yeah. I went a step beyond that. This was for Christmas. So I sous vide cooked the turkey breasts, which was nice. He removed all the skin from the turkey. I put it in between pans and cooked it into a skin crisp. Um, That sounds awesome. I roasted the thighs because you can't really mess those up, the thighs and the legs. Right, right. I got Um, bones. They're going to be good. Exactly. And then the rest of the carcass, I pressure cooked and turned (laughs) that into the gravy. So awesome. I, I went the whole route, and I got to say, it was fantastic. It was a lot of extra work. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work. It was a lot of extra work, but you know, Sometimes it was the work's worth it. Sometimes the work isn't worth it, but it is. Yeah, you know, you learn something. It's when an you experience. Do those crazy things. You know, a lot of those recipes in in Jerusalem are, are work. That slaw is, you know, there's no two ways about it. Uh, match sticking kohlrabi is not fun. No. Yeah. No, it's not at all fun. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matchsticking beets isn't really fun no, beets either. Are, beets are hard to chop. Yeah, when they're not cooked. Ugh. They're very hard. I, I thought the first time I made the slaw, I thought, well, I'm getting out the mandolin, and it'll just make short work of it. Nope. Nope. Bonk. You know, mm-hmm. the, the beet hits the blade and stops. <sighs> beets and sweet potatoes those are, and uh, squash, those are all hard to chop. Hard to chop. Yeah. Hard to chop. But... Good, good stuff, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're going to help me with my upcoming uh, Rochester Magazine column. Yeah, we're going to do some brainstorming. That's I think right. We're, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. We're going to talk about um, some of your background in radio, which I'm fascinated to learn about. Ah, uh, yes. And um, we're going to do some uh, brainstorming for his upcoming article, and I'm sure we'll go on some tangents here and there. Sounds great. All right. See you guys in a second. This week's episode of the Food About Town podcast is brought to you by Frankly, and that's frankly.com, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y.com. 
frankly, is the best way to find out where your local restaurant sources their food from and how to find that specialty product you love so much. Frankly.com has been recently redesigned, so please check it out and let me know what you think. You can reach me, Stromy, at Frankly.com. Check out Frankly at Frankly.com and join the open source food movement. Why are we talking and not recording? I mean, it's, it's a good point. So uh, with that note, thanks for Adam for bringing us back. We're back. And uh, over the break, we, we, started, we started talking about um, this new article that Adam's working on. That I'm not really sure what it is yet. Not sure what it is. So we're trying to figure out what it is. So why don't you, why don't you say it in your words, and then I'll say what I think. Well, here's where it started was uh, Mark Liu, my editor, asked if I could do something sort of like what I did a couple years ago, which was this Buried Treasures article. Mm. And that, that was about places okay. that I thought people wouldn't know about that they should know about. I mean, ten. I mean, that's that's an easy list for you and me. I mean, easy. We, we can slam that out uh, quick. Yeah, that one was really easy. What What was fun about that was trying to make it not the same ones I always do. But then I, then yeah, I, that's then always I, a challenge. But then I did talk about some of the same ones I always talk about anyway. Of course, know, because, it's hard not to because people need to go to Dakwa. You know what? It's a place I don't go often enough. People need to go to Dakwa. Yeah, because one day it's not going to be there. Probably not. You know, it's one, a, it's, one it's day a, it won't be there. It's a big space. It's on East Ave, and it's gonna get Monroe. Monroe, Monroe sorry, Monroe. Right. Yep. Um, and well, they're I, they're aging. Yeah, that's the problem. Is is that uh, I don't understand the economics of that place. But does it get busy? I've never seen it that busy. Yeah, it's a big space too. You know, but they they stay open all day. Right. Of course. I don't think they actually pay themselves. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, it's the way I've described it sometimes, and. It's it's people that still work those um, new immigrant hours. Right. They're open seven days a week. They're open for 14 hours a day. They generally close one day a year. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, I, I've seen lots of places like that. And yeah. I'm always happy when they start to close on specific days. Right. Which always makes me happy. I mean, like, oh, you're, you can <laughs> you're do... taking time off. Right. You can have a day off every week. That's kind of nice. They don't do that there. They no, don't, they very don't few. Time off. A lot but of those I, places don't. Anyway, I just, I, I always want to encourage people to go to Dakwa because I... I go, I will, I will go a lot for a little while, and then I'll forget for a year or two. Yeah. And then I go back, and I'm reminded that, you know, Dakwa has the best roast pork in town, uh, barbecue pork. Right, they, that's they, your uh, your char, no, char siu uh, yeah, red pork. Yep. They have the best uh, roast pig in town. Mm. They have the best duck in town, and they have the best spring rolls in town. They have four things that they've got the best of. Other than that. Other than that, they suck, you know? <laughs> but I, I tell people all the time, if a place has one thing that's amazing, I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go for one thing. But four things? Hard to know. beat. Yeah. So so your concept So anyway, is... what is the concept? <laughs> so it's not that. It's it's the same thing except dishes. So mm. the idea is, is it started with, well, let's do unusual dishes, and then both Mark and I thought, well, we don't want to, we don't want to just have it be a big gross out thing. Well, I mean, you, you know? we could do unusual dishes that are delicious. We could, because I mean, I've got some of those that I yep. love. Yeah, you know, like yep. um, you go to a, a good uh, Puerto Rican or Dominican place and you get like the hog stewed hog maw. Yeah, one of my favorite things. Yeah, but nobody's going to want to read that. I know Chris. it sucks though. No one wants to read about that that's, in Rochester. That's it's one of my favorite things though. It's so good. <laughs> stewed hog maw. I remember it was at uh, at, uh, at Qingdao down in uh, in Henrietta. They had the uh, 
what was it? The sliced uh, ox tongue and tripe nice. cold salad. Yeah, that's another one that you know oh, people don't want that. I know it's a shame. Ming Ming brought me a plate once. I was sitting at the counter, and he puts this plate of long triangular things. <laughs> Do you know what they were? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't offhand. I'm like Ming. What what are these? He goes duck tongue. I'm like, oh nice. Did you just say duck tongue? He says, yeah, duck tongue. Mm-hmm, obviously. They were duck tongues. Of course. And they were appalling. They were just absolutely <laughs> gross. That's great. They weren't as gross as chicken in the egg. That was grosser. Yeah, well, that, that's that's an acquired taste. It's a delicacy, Adam. No, I'm not acquiring that taste. <laughs> it's a delicacy. Um, people are like, what that taste like? I'm like, well, it tastes like a dead thing in a rotten egg. Yeah, it's perfect. You know why? Because it's a dead thing in a rotten egg. Yeah. Yeah. But you tried it. I did. Which I appreciate. You know. I mean, you put it in front of me, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I mean, that's my deal with Ming, is is if he puts it in front of me, I got to eat it. I think that's a great way to be in with a, with a lot of things. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've had sliced this and that yeah. there, you know, and sometimes they're just marvelous. Yeah. You know, he brought me some mystery meat with slices of lotus root. Oh, that sounds great. And that was just fabulous. You know, it was just fabulous. I, I've, I've come to really like the Asian mystery meats. You know, yeah, the, well, the bologna and the Vietnamese soups. I like that a lot. Yeah, and the uh, and the sandwiches too. You know, yeah. the uh, the classic Dak Biet uh, yep. banh mi, which has who head knows cheese, what head cheese, and then the <laughs> white bologna like substance. Yes, the white bologna like substance. Oh, it's great. It's... I remember once I was asking a guy about his banh mi, and I said, "So what's this meat?" And he goes, "Uh, bologna." And then I said, well, "So what's this one?" He goes, "Bologna." Mm-hmm. I'm like, but they're not this. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've had it where you get like pork skin slivers and all yeah. sorts of deliciousness. Oh, one of the things they do at Dakwa that's just marvelous is the um, they do these uh, uh, fresh spring rolls with uh, dried pork skin in them. Ooh, nice. Those are so good. Mm. Those are so good. But they, they don't even have those on the menu because like, you know, when normal Americans order them, they, they get grossed out. <sighs> what a shame. It's such a shame. White people are the worst. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we are the worst. So anyway, uh, Mark and I decided that weird wasn't the way to go. Okay. Um, like really distinctive, excellent dishes people might not otherwise find. So you do want to you maybe not the most famous dishes in Rochester. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not looking for chicken French. Okay. Or greens and beans or or garbage plates. You yeah. know, I and and you know, I love greens and beans. And I love garbage plates. But. <laughs> you notice I left one out there. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that in the break. But uh, no, I'm not looking for the Rochester stuff. I'm not looking for the equivalent of Binghamton Speedies here. Right. You know, um, which I grew up on. Oh, do, are you from that area? I am. I'm from Binghamton. See, I grew up in Buffalo, so for me, it's Chevetta's. Oh. You had Chevetta's? No. What the hell is that? So basically, you know how Speedy's has oil in it? Yeah. It's like oil and vinegar. It's kind of just yeah. like Italian dressing, basically. It is. It's Italian dressing. Um, Chevetta's is all of that without any oil. It's just straight vinegar and oh, herbs. man. And it like it denatures the proteins really fast. Mm. It's amazing on a charcoal grill. It's Interesting. That aroma of Chevetta's chicken on charcoal outside is the aroma of summer in Buffalo. Does anybody do that here? No, God, no. Nobody touches it here. Yeah. Nobody even thinks about it. Huh. Uh, you, can buy, you can buy it spread. at Wegmans, though. Speedies have spread. You okay. You get speedies all over now. 
Well, maybe that's something we should do sometime is grab some of that Chevetta's and do some barbecue chicken. I would love that. Oh, that'd be delightful. The sad thing about Speedy's is that uh, it's very hard to get lamb anymore. You know? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The traditional Speedy is lamb. So marinated lamb on like a skewer kind of thing. Yeah, with a with a really crappy piece of Italian bread to pull it off. Of course, the skewer. You know, bad supermarket you know. Italian bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be that. Yeah, that's it's way it's too soft. That, right, way too soft, and maybe it has a few spare spare uh, sesame seeds on it. Right, and you get your like your your knuckles, you know, get molded into the bread when you <laughs> pull it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm looking for. Um, so, you know, uh, things that are just really excellent and that people might not otherwise find. So we you posted so, on for Facebook. For example, and yeah. I've written about this soup many times, but Dakwa has that duck soup with the bun con noodles. Okay. That is just ridiculous. I mean, if 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 you don't mind bones and skin... Because it's a bony, skinny affair. That sounds right up my wife's alley. She loves that kind of soup. It is just one of the best soups I've ever had in my life anywhere. Mm. You know, uh, you know, ranks up with the best chipino I've ever had. Fantastic. Uh, it's just unreal. It also takes you a while to eat because, you know, you got to wrestle the meat off the bones. And right. All that. But it's spectacularly good. I love those noodles, those bun con tapioca, big, thick, chewy Mm, noodles, you know. That sounds great. They put those in the seafood soup at um, uh, Blue Taro. Okay. Um, which is, you know, a reopened place. It used to be Lemongrass. Yay! And it, this is one of those places that I never <laughs> ate at before it closed. The Lemongrass was spectacular. And it's some somewhere like you, you knew very well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Huey Luong is the owner. And at Le Lemongrass, his two cooks were his crazy brother and his crazy sister. Um, <laughs> who are almost as crazy as he is. Uh, and they were both, um, you know, really wonderful cooks, those two were. Uh, I remember one day I came in there, and, and uh, Huey's brother, Ting, yes, Ting. Of course. Uh, Ting says, oh, Mr. Adam, I, I, make, you, I make you the stew I made. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay, Ting, uh, what is it? It's uh, uh, what, what, what? tendon. Oh, nice. And and at this point in my life, I had not figured out that tendon could be marvelous. Oh, yeah, and it is. When it's right. Yeah. You know, so he had stewed it all day, and it was just this wonderful, soft, gelatinous flavor bomb. It's one of those things that if people <laughs> are bad with textures, they're going to absolutely hate. Yeah, you know, that's true of a lot of tendon. I, I don't think it would have been true of this tendon. Mm. This was really melt in your mouth. It, it, it was like hard butter. Ooh, you know, that, that was sounds the, great. The, so anyway, um, that place closed, and now he he cooks. He has a, a friend who cooks, and his wife, uh, whose name is, I think, Hien, uh, she cooks. And she is real stickler about you know, making stuff from scratch. So, you know, all the dumplings are from scratch and the wrappers they make and uh, the seafood soup has a crab cake floating in it. They make a crab cake Ooh. and float it in the soup. Right, they're making crab cakes, which right. is an accent. To, to put on the soup. Right. I mean, that's just nuts. So, yeah, it's a great place. Um, so I think the, the question in my mind is, I the, the dish that comes to mind that, will decide how we progress from here is someone uh, we posted, you posted on Facebook before this and they called out 
the charred bread and ricotta cheese from Rocco. Is that too popular to put on your list or is that the kind no. of thing you're thinking of? I, I mean, for me, it is that one qualifies because I think it's so good. Mm. Uh, you know, if something is so good, and and I'm the the arbiter here, right? Of course, you I know, mean, <laughs> I get to choose. I am the decider. I I am the decider. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So the charred bread, and and you know what's interesting to me about Mark's uh, forays into charred bread, Mark Cupolo at at Rocco is Mark has no fear of burning things. Mark believes in burning things. It's a cornerstone of his cooking. Well, and I also appreciate the fact that he does the things he wants to do the way yeah. he wants to do them. And if you don't like it, well, you you're can, wrong. You can go somewhere else. Right. right. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, we've seen people uh, send the bread back. Yeah. Know, they, they say it's burned, and he sends them back out another one exactly <laughs> the same. You know, uh, makes me so happy. So, so to me, that's distinctive. Okay, you know? and and what <clears throat> makes that charred bread so good is that it's burnt. Yeah. with that that brightness of the fresh ricotta. You know, it it it's a thing. It's contrast. It's contrast. So I'm gonna throw out um, a dish for me that the it's my, maybe my individual favorite food in Rochester is the margarita pizza at Fiamma Fiamma Centro. Really? In the city. Okay. Um, it's straight Neapolitan-style pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably my biggest passion is um, Neapolitan pizza, is pizza in general, but Neapolitan specifically. Where's Fiamma? So there's two locations. There's one on Buffalo Road in Gates. Okay. And the other one's on Elton Street, just off a of university in the city. All right. I haven't been to either. Um, 100% should be the next place you go is okay. go to Fiamma Centro, order margarita pizza, and it's the only thing you'll Did ever do- want to eat. Uh, lunch? Uh, the Gates location does lunch. The Gates location does lunch. Correct. Okay, Gates isn't that far. It's 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 close. It's it's like once you get off of Mount Reed and go into Buffalo Road, it's like half a mile down the road. Oh, so it's not deep, dark It's like Gates. Buffalo Road and Howard. Okay, that's not So bad. it's like just into Gates. All right. People are like, oh, I'll never go into Gates. I'm like, you know, it's like half a mile out of the like, city. Not limits. as far as Schmegs. Right. Right. Not quite that far. See, um, now Schmegs, there's a place that has some stuff. It's very interesting. I wrote a review of Schmegs when I was at the city paper. Yeah. And I framed the whole thing under the idea that it's a diners, drive ins, and dives place. Yeah. Because really, I mean, it's the definition of a Guy Fieri um, diners, drive ins, and dive place. Uh huh. Big quantities. They make stuff in house, they make everything in house. But everything's huge. Huge. And all the flavors are a little over the top. I thought so. Everything's a little overdone. Yeah, I'm I'm a balance fan. Yeah, which is why bring it back to the Fiamma. But if you go if you go to Schmegs like once a year, yeah, it's a blast. Especially if you're really early on a weekend day before yeah, it gets when, crazy. Right, it does get crazy. Uh, a lot of people love that place. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so well, I I love it. You yeah. know, I I I go more than once a year. Nice. Uh. And and yeah, it is. It's uh. It's not perfect, but it is distinctive. And his house-made bread was really tasty. Yeah, it really is. Really, Have you had the bomber thing that's like eight <sighs> kinds of meat? No, I had, I had one just of his... It's stupid. I had one of his breakfast sandwiches that had a sausage patty that was easily a half a pound of sausage. Yeah, their sausage patties are like burgers. Which is crazy. It's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. But it's sort of fun. It was. They're also like over-flavored, the sausage. It was a bit too sweet for my taste. It's too sweet. It's too much... Spice. It's too much everything. One one word I wouldn't use to describe the food there is restrained. No, 
but that's that's the pleasure of the place. It is. You know, it's it, a it, it's a jump into into the deep end right. of and and Sean and Meg are you know they're big bold people and they've got big bold food and it might be the worst named restaurant in all of Rochester. It is the worst named restaurant <laughs> I've ever heard of. No offense, to, it's just it's just a terrible name. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad name. But maybe that's a good name. But a place maybe it's you remember so bad it, it's good. You right. remember it? That's right. A uh, place worth going. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. put it on your list though. So Fiamma. Margarita pizza Margarita specifically. Margarita pizza at Fiamma. Yeah. Okay, that's one. Um, I'm going to put one more out before you go. Okay, you go. Um, is uh, Fiorella's Cacio e Pepe. I haven't had that either. It is the definition of simplicity. Fiorella's what? Cacio e Pepe pasta. I don't know what that is. Oh Chris. wow! See, I'm gonna, See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know. You're, you're much more macho for you than I am <laughs> when it gets right down to it. I'm gonna let you know. So, <laughs> cacio e pepe is a classic Roman style pasta, where basically the entire dish, it, it's like a, it's a simplified mac and cheese basically. So it's spaghetti with lots of um, parmesan or pecorino romano, mm-hmm. lots of pepper thickened with pasta water, and that's it. That sounds great. It's the perfection of simplicity. And, and they make the pasta? Of course. Yeah. And they cook it to, as far as I'm concerned, the best cooked pasta I've had. Mm. Um, it's thick and rich and comforting, and so few ingredients turned into such a refined dish. Those are my favorite foods when they're just perfectly composed into this dish that turns into something that's way more than some of the ingredients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a beautiful thing. So again, well, somewhere again, that's that ricotta with charred bread. Absolutely, right? It's elemental mm. and contrast. So what? What's what's one that you think that would go on that list? Well, I, you know, I keep thinking of things that I'd be repeating myself. I, I mm. did a favorite things column at City in like I don't know two thousand two or something. Okay, and there are things that are still. Among my favorite things. Well, I think couple. at this point, you, it's okay to repeat can, yourself every that. every 16 years. You can do a repeat. <laughs> well, then I'm going to go with the um, the Cornish hen from Sinbad's. Interesting. Have you had that? No. And Sinbad's is somewhere I enjoy, but I had been enough, and then I stopped going because I always go to the newer places right. of that genre. Right. And they're a great one. PETA and... Cedar are both wonderful. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know the original uh, where cedar um, cedar came from was um, oh wow why am I forgetting the name of the place? It's in that plaza where um, Abyssinia is now. Oh, it is. Yeah, there's another there's another uh, Lebanese place in there where huh. that used to be. I don't know what that was. All right, keep on talking about the Cornish game hen for a minute. So yeah, um, I like Sinbad's a lot. I think in the you know, the post-Aladdin's joints, it's the best of that ilk. Um, and I like a lot of things at Sinbad's. I, I like their their uh, pita pizzas, I think, are really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, you know, now that you've got the manakee shit, cedar and pita. It's, it's, it's hard to beat. Uh, and you know it's what? hard to beat. I think some of the, you know, before... <laughs> Before cedar came in, I thought their falafel were really good, and they are still pretty good at salt. I Pita's, mean, it's, um, Pita's falafel are amazing. Yeah. Have you had those? No, I haven't been over there too much yet. <sighs> so good. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because, like, that place, Sinbad's, is a classic. It's been around right. for a long time. Right. And and Ziad, the owner, is, you know, he's serious about uh, consistency and quality. You know, mm-hmm. he, he keeps it at a certain level. Yeah. And I appreciate that. So, anyway, the Cornish hen over there. It's like 15 bucks, and uh, they marinate the Cornish hen, and then they 
cake it in uh, uh, both dried and fresh spices. Okay. And then grill it. And then they serve it in like a garlic, like a garlicky mayo stuff. Okay. On top of a pita. And it's just this sloppy, uh, uh, herby, garlicky, amazingly juicy thing. I think it's kind of like a like a taum, like a like a garlicky spread kind of thing, thick yeah. and yogurty and yeah. delicious. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just a the whole thing's a big mess, and it'll take you forever to eat because you know you're eating a whole hen mm. and you got to take it apart. But you know, every time I get that, I I just sit there moaning. It's so good. <laughs> It, it really is. It's just dynamite. All right. So somewhere, I, 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 a dish I think we should that should be on the list. Um, the question is from where is a some some sort of Puerto Rican Dominican roast pork and rice dish. I go with El Latino personally. I think El Latino is a great choice. Um, it's hard because I, I love so many of the places. Yeah. I mean, El Latino is one very accessible. Yes. Um, but. I mean, I love like El Sabor de la Isla up on uh, Norton. Yeah. Um, obviously, El Pilon over on yep. Yep. over on North Clinton. You know why I like El Latino is is when I ask them for skin, they give me skin. Yes, they do. They they bring the skin. <laughs> they bring the skin. Uh, they're they're not subtle on the seasoning, and I'm not saying it's the most balanced of foods. I'm okay with that. But damn, if that roast pork and rice and rice and beans isn't just so delicious. Yeah, it's good stuff. And but again, you know, there's the newer places doing cool stuff with that. Uh, have you been to Solis Kitchen yet? I haven't. I tried to go one day. They yeah. closed early. They were doing a family party. They're really good. Um the stuff they do with uh <laughs> reformed plantain mm. uh, is is very cool. And then Rob's Kebabs? I haven't been to his actual I've been in to see him yeah. at the public market, but I right. haven't had the food at the public market yet. Well, I was I was shocked how good it was. I saw your article. I, I just wasn't prepared for it to be as good as it was. Well, he's well trained. He used to he used to work at next door under uh, Paul Vroman and the whole team there. He his food uh, shows the signs of a serious guy. You know, he is. like you've been to Zocks. I actually haven't been. I know I've heard a lot of it from uh, from Michael Warren Thomas. Zock is that way too. You know, you look at his food and you're like. Where am I, and why does the food look like it was plated at next door? And know? it's that it's right over near uh, El Latino, right? Uh, yeah, kind of. It's on. Um, Is it on Chilayev? It's on Chilayev. So it might be right around that area. Right, right. But Zox, uh, you know, he went through the food program at MCC and has worked at a couple of nice restaurants in yeah. town, I think. Uh, but that I don't think Jerry. Brinkman's still at that MCC program. But I don't know he was if he's still for a do- long time. He was do he was still doing it when I first met him when he was doing, you know, the place he's at now was his Atlas Eats. Yeah. Um I wish we could put that on there, but the problem is they rotate their dinners all the time. Right. Well, they got their breakfasts. <sighs> breakfasts are very good. I mean, yeah. the you know, the kimchi pancakes are very good. Yes. But their dinners, I, I had one recently. I went to their New Orleans one. Yeah. Ooh, man, it was it was one of the best composed meals I've had in a long time. Oh, cool! Five courses for thirty nine dollars. Yeah, yeah, it is. It might be the. It is the best deal in fine dining in Rochester, without yeah, a shadow I, of a doubt. I just love what he's doing. You know, it's it's such um, a cool place. It's such a cool concept, and his execution is is always good. Sometimes amazing. Yeah, you know, uh, 
and and they're great people up there too. And the breads, you know, oh. the, I I think it's I think it's their daughter who's the main baker. Oh, I no, actually, their daughter is the chef, and I think okay. they have a separate baker. Yeah. I don't think is related. Okay, whoever uh, but, it is, but she's very good. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, like, some of the best bread in Rochester, not the best. What do you think the best bread in Rochester is? I I don't I don't think. I know what the best bread in Rochester. So you have to tell me. It's Flower City bread in the public market. Yeah, I um, I I buy the bread every week. Yeah, and 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 I I love it. There was a period where I thought their consistency was off. Sure. Uh, by consistency, I mean the the they weren't the same every week. Mm. Uh, it wasn't consistent, but they seem to have gotten a grip on that again. Well, it's it's and hard. There's quite good. He also has a better staff than he's had before in the past. Yeah. Uh, Keith is a crazy person, and I love him for it. Uh-huh. Um, for me, I think their their bread um, is a standout thing in Rochester. It's one of the few national level things we have here in Rochester. Yeah. You could pop that in any major city in the country. And people would say this is the best or some of the best bread in this town. Yeah, it's good bread. It's um, good bread. He, um, I was just hanging out with the guy who I think made the best bread in Rochester ever. Mm. Uh, he's he's a music head, and we we were both down at um, Three Heads Brewing to see the fortieth uh, anniversary performance of Warren Zevon's Excitable Boy. Obviously, great night. Great night. Local band called Left Handed Second Baseman and a bunch of their friends. <laughs> what another great band name. Yeah. They played uh they played the album from end to end and it was it was a great night. But my friend Bill Kenny was down there, Bill who ran the Ravioli shop. Okay. Did you ever... before my time. Oh. I've heard about it again from Chris. Michael Warren Thomas. Yeah. Bill's baguettes were ridiculous. Okay. You know, I lived in Paris. Did you really? I didn't know that. Uh, in in college, and I ate a lot of baguettes in Paris. Yeah, Bill's baguettes were better than any I had in Paris. Wow, they were ridiculous. Yeah, they're really good. I every time I see him, I'm like, so uh, what would it take to uh, get you to make me some of those? And he's like, Adam, I can't make those. I, I can't do it. You know, that's why I'm not doing it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Pernil. Somewhere, yeah. I, I think El Latino is a good choice. It's a good choice. Yeah. Um, hmm. Now, what other? Do you want to get the different styles? Anything? What What else do you have in mind? I I don't know. You know, I I haven't. I I told myself I was going to sit down and start making notes, but then I decided to do this with you, and I okay. didn't. So here we are. You know, live on the spot. Right. Except we're not really live. No, we're not live. We could pause and then say we say we did all this live. We could do that. We could. But that um, would be... That would be cheating. And yes, although it is cheating, we are going to take a break here at the end of part one of my interview with Adam Wilcox from the Democrat and Chronicle. Stay tuned next week for part two, where we break down more unique dishes around Rochester, and we learn a bit more about Adam along the way. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it out, and stay tuned next week for part two of my interview with Adam Wilcox.